Good morning, Wisconsin. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Come give us your thoughts on the old National Bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Here's your hosts, Steve Scafidi and Sandy Max. All right, everybody, good morning. Welcome. If, you, if you're fans of the show, you know that Wednesdays, my pal, law enforcement communications expert Andy Schwartz joins us. And that is the case this morning. Good morning, Annie. It is indeed. Good morning, Steve. I am, I, I'm glad I'm here today because I always like when we just have more topics than we probably have time to talk about. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much going on. We're, we're going to spend like the last half hour of this 9 o'clock hour talking about the attack in Israel, Israel, but how that comes home, and we have a special guest joining us at 9.30 mm-hmm. or so, um, going to talk about the the implications for the communities of faith in this country, some of the uh, the, the concerns that are out there, not just from the members of the, of the faith community, but uh, law enforcement. So we'll have that conversation. I wanted to start with this one, though. So there is a proposal to increase the salaries. City of Milwaukee, basically almost every elected official, um, I believe the police chief and fire chief will match the, the those increases. Look, I have nothing against people making a decent wage for their jobs, especially high performers. Oh, same. Um, but when I see something like this, the number is 15%. Now, that's typically, for someone who was in charge of a city, that's an eyebrow raiser. And I would often ask people when they would give me numbers like that, because they always do. Um, and I love mm-hmm. I love the folks who do those jobs. They they do very difficult jobs, especially when you're talking Bankless. about Bankless. Yes. Bankless. But yeah. Especially in today's world. Um they are often asked to do things above and beyond their job description. We all know this, especially when you're talking about the public safety community. Right. But I guess my question for all of you out there, eight five five six one six one six twenty, the old National Bank talking text line, and for you, Annie Schwartz, is it's a bit of a stunner when you see fifteen percent and and from your perspective what does it say about those elected officials in terms of work product, bang for the buck? You can argue that's right. We talk about crime in Milwaukee. Well, and I think that that's the isn't that the stick? Ever isn't that the measuring stick everybody's holding up? I mean, I you know I uh, I've watched them. I, I I've watched those the complaints about those salaries for for public officials for a while. But there are other things that that I ask, Steve, as somebody who who follows law enforcement, who who hears from a lot of people in law enforcement. The the question I have is, how can how can you say it's okay to take that fifteen percent raise when you are not when that is not reflected in what you are paying your police officers? I can't speak for the firefighters because I don't know that as well, but I'm going to assume that we're all in the same in the same boat. But at least when it comes to police officers, we are I mean, they are, you know, they're they are trying to get uh, they're trying to to be paid a salary that is. I don't know. Do I say it was that's worth the job they're doing? They're trying to get paid a salary that says, hey, we want to retain you. What's the number one issue in policing right now in this country? Yeah. Retention and recruitment and, and retirement and retirement. And so what are you saying to your officers when you say we're going to make sure the, the the bosses are all getting a raise? And this is not a reflection on the police chief, the fire chief, the mayor. It's It's not a reflection on those people. I'm asking the question that I think a lot of people that are interested in 
policing are asking, which is why? And and if you're going to do that, if you are willing to do that, what about the salaries for law enforcement? I've also had people make this argument. You're talking about a 15% across the board for electeds. Um, now, I, I would admit, and I read this in a piece from Fox 6, the salary has not changed for the mayor since 2008. Understood. And let me tell you that the, the salary for our police chief, I know what salaries are for police chiefs around the country. We're not exactly up there. When it comes to to yeah. the salaries for police chiefs. For a city of our size, yes. We are Absolutely. often on the low end. So I get the argument. But here's the other argument. And I, I've already seen a little bit of this on the text line. So you are you want to take that pool of money that you could take, let's just say, for example, and hire more first responders, fire personnel, EMS, law enforcement, police officers. If, if I'm not a member of the public, I would choose the latter. That would be the money for more officers mm-hmm. or more ems or more firefighters that that's that would be me sure. doesn't mean i don't think you should have a raise mm-hmm. i would just take that down i would take the, the two digits out of it for sure but let's talk about the communication piece of this which is if there's someone from the city who's listening in and they're saying oh my gosh they don't get it it's this pool of money not this pool of money well then explain it to us because that's the communication piece that's often missing in these discussions and that is tell us the why Help explain, and if there is a different pool of money, then tell me. So, for example, I'm watching the story on the news. I've been following what's happening with the housing authority. I've been watching what's, you know, what's happening as far as the, the, the supervision of that being shifted around in city government. And one of the quotes that I saw was uh, someone from the city who said, we're not even going to be able to start these inspections on city housing, city-owned housing, until 2024 because of the shortage of building inspectors. So if that's a city position, and, and, and is that a position where you're looking at that pool of money that we're talking about, then, then I, I really want to understand that. So I'm just here asking that question that I think a lot of people ask. What is the, what is the performance of the people in the positions that you want to raise their salaries 15%? If you're arguing that you're doing a... You know, a bang up spectacular job. Okay, make the case. I'm not seeing that. And I have nothing against the mayor. I have nothing against the elected officials in Milwaukee. I was an elected official once. I get it. But here, here's the bottom line for me. And maybe I'm being unrealistic. I made $16,000 per year for the five years I was mayor. $16,000. Wow. Now, it's a part time job. Yeah. Understood. But I, not really. I, I approached it because I was retired from my previous private sector job as a full time job. I didn't ask for a raise, never asked for one. I just, I wonder about the optics of this for the citizens of Milwaukee who are dealing with reckless driving, crime, some crime increasing exponentially, homicide, all the things wrapped into drug trafficking, human trafficking, all the stories we read about, uh, just the fentanyl issue. If I'm going to pay someone 15% more for that performance, what am I getting for the 15%? Am I getting a better product? I mean, in the case of law enforcement, am I getting better results? I'm not seeing a correlation. And maybe that's my fault that I'm not digging deep enough. I'm not seeing a correlation. And I get the complaints about, about you know, salary for city servants. I so get it. I was one as well. I was the, the director of communication for the Milwaukee Police Department for eight years. And I used to, when I when I think about the, the salary that I was paid back then, I mean... You know, it's nowhere compared 
to what people make when they do that job in the private sector. But I didn't want a job in the private sector. I wanted to serve and I wanted to work for the city of Milwaukee and I wanted to work for the city of Milwaukee Police Department. So there, you know, there was also kind of that thought for me anyway, that I'm not going to complain about about the salary because, wow, I got great benefits and I get a pension, which nobody gets anymore. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, an amazing health insurance and all of those kinds of things. Although at the time I was working there, I had to have residency. So I had to live in the, in the city right. of Milwaukee. And that which, has changed. Which has changed. All the, no, all the stuff that I would have loved has now changed to be the other way. But that's, I think, the conversation. Right, yeah. Steve? Let's continue the conversation. Annie Schwartz joining us, as she does always. Uh, your thoughts. I see Kathy from Whitefish Space queued up on the uh, the phone bank here. We'll see what she, she has to say for us. And don't forget a really important conversation with a guest coming up at 935. I'm looking forward to the conversation about safety for our faith communities, what's happening across the world, really, and especially in the United States, when it comes to protecting our citizens given what's happened on the ground in Israel and in the uh, the Gaza Strip. More with Annie after this. This girl is on fire. This girl is on fire. Oh, there it is. Annie's walk-up music. Uh, Although you're already sitting down, so it's really not walk-up music. No, and if you've seen me walk, I'm still trying to get the hang of it again. So, uh, you know, I don't know that I deserve <laughs> walk-up music. <laughs> you deserve it, of course. Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. We're just we're talking about this issue of, of pay raises, the request by uh, senior leadership in the city of Milwaukee for pay. And again, I'm, I'm not I don't begrudge people for making a good wage. I, I don't. And I guess when I see results, then I would be more enthusiastic about supporting that. And I do think 15 percent is a big number. And I've, I've had people send me some and I'm not going to say them out on the air because I don't I haven't validated them yet. But uh, some of the local communities now getting the same act. They're asking for double digit raises for mayors and common council members. I, I gave you my my facts. Made the same thing throughout my entire tenure, five years. It's it's not a livable wage. It was a part time job. I approached that as a full time job, did the job, hopefully well enough that I was reelected. And um, I'm just asking the question. Now, speaking of questions, Kathy from Whitefish Bay has one. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. You're welcome. Hi, Kathy. Hi there. What's your question? I so well. My question was or really Miller's statement. If if fifteen percent is fair and reasonable, if somebody is paid under market and you want to give them a big jump to get them to a better uh, rate of pay, but fifteen percent across the board feels too much like whitewashing without looking at individual salaries. And I could see where people would be bothered by just a, a flat rate versus targeted like I think they should. Yeah, it's a great point, Kathy. Thank, thanks for, for making the call. Look, I, I love the fact that employees care about other employees. And the mayor here is trying to say, all right, look, everybody should benefit. But here's a couple things that I notice. This is happening post-Shared Revenue Act 12. So now there's more money, supposedly to go into things like infrastructure and some of the other things. And one of the concerns of some members of the legislature was, this is just so you can add every add to everybody's salaries. And here's the first real announcement that we're looking for boosts again. First since 2008, fully admit that. Want to be clear about that. And I would also admit that Milwaukee tends to be lower, not always, than other communities of similar size. So. There's a lot to this, but I, I'm going to ask the question from a taxpayer perspective. Where's my where's my bang for the buck here? 
What are, what are you doing to improve the quality of life in Milwaukee? When I see the same problems, we're going to talk about this uh, in a little bit. I don't see the need for 50%. And to Kathy's point, I'm not a fan of across-the-board raises. I'm just not. Unless you're represented by a union, I don't see that that's, va- that's valuable. And I want to understand, you know, is Kathy still on the line with no, us? No, oh, she's not. All right. Because I was going to ask her, you know, it, how how informed she feels about this issue. Because for me, I don't ever want to sit on, on the radio with you here and, and say something, you know, where somebody comes back and says, well, what you don't understand, because that's always a favorite way to start a, right. you know, sets with me. What you don't understand is, and I always come back with, help me understand. If, if, if this is something that's good, if this is something that's important, I will tell you this right now. I, I, I Jeff Norman is underpaid for a police chief. That job Comparatively of city speaking of Milwaukee to other, other police, police chief, chiefs. Absolutely. When you're talking about a major city, uh, which Milwaukee is, we are one of the major cities when we talk about law enforcement in this country. Um, that is a, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't say his name. I should just say that role. Because that that pay has been low for historically it's been low, but but if we want to increase that, if we want to increase the pay for those public officials that we're talking about, please help me understand why that's something I should get behind. And right now, I don't understand how that's something I can get behind when I hear you know rank and file law enforcement saying, "Hey, can we make you know can can we get any kind of a of a bump here?" Uh, when we are uh, when we are putting our lives on the line every single day for for the city's taxpayers in an ever increasing more violent society, we're going to talk about that after the break. Well, it's uh, not getting better. Uh, yeah, a recent case that you highlighted for me yet last night that I want to talk about. Our guest, as always, on Wednesdays nine o'clock hour, Andy Schwartz, law enforcement communications experts. You, as always, can weigh in on the old National Bank talk and text line eight five five six one six one six twenty. We'll tell you about that case and uh, what it suggests about the trends in crime in Milwaukee after this with Annie on WTMJ. Annie Schwartz joining me in studio on this Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen over the air, which is still a thing, even though car manufacturers want to take AM radios out of the car. A dumb idea. Damn them. My my two cents on that. Uh, you can find us on the stream. You can go to YouTube and just punch in the show's name or WTMJ. You can go to WTMJ.com, find the show. Many, many options to view this, and I thanks I thank all of you for taking the time to do that. That's how uh, I listen in strange countries, by the way. Yeah, when yeah. I'm traveling, I like to keep up on what you, you're talking about here. The cool kick about this is we have listeners around the world now, people that used to live here or were here for a short time, heard the show, and they tune in, and I, they often send me emails like from Germany or from the U.K. I love that. And they, ha- they also have real opinions about things. People still care about what's happening in this city. So just because you don't live here, you might not be even be a taxpayer anymore. You still care about the state of public safety in the city of Milwaukee. That's still something you're looking at. All right. So we, um, we often talk before the show when you come on about things that we want to discuss. And one of those was uh, the headline, high-speed Milwaukee car chase leaves officer injured, two suspects arrested. Uh, first of all, do you know how the officer is doing? Um, my understanding is that the officer, uh, the officers are still recovering, and I say officers because when you get shot at, which is uh, what happened in here. a running gun battle on the streets of Milwaukee, when when I hear the news media report, well, the officers, you know, weren't injured. Well, I got to tell you that that lasts a lot longer, and the and the and the emotional 
uh, issues that that those officers are going to have to deal with from having that uh, from having that happen. And yes, I understand it's what they signed up for. And when people say that, I just you know my hair hurts. But so the, so the story is this: a twenty-year-old Milwaukee man arrested, leading police, high-speed chase, shooting. Shots exchanged between the suspects and the officers began 2.30 a.m. Nothing good, as my colleague, teammate Jeff Wagner says, after 2 a.m. on mm-hmm. a Friday night. Um, they were spotting the shots fired. That's the shot spotter technology, by the way. People that often criticize that. Which You, you learn things about the city, and it actually, I think it aids the, the community. That's how this, that's what this started out as. This is a shot spotter call that law enforcement officers, that police are responding to. Uh, they, they end up trying to, they try to pull a car over. And the people inside inside the car, without even you know thinking twice about it, turn around and start to try to shoot it out with these officers. And the officers return fire because if you've got somebody shooting out a car, a moving car, you you have to try and disable that vehicle or to stop that threat. That's what you got to try to do because other people are going to get hurt. Here's my point blank question. I probably could use better terminology, but I'm going to use it anyway. So. Is the trend getting better or worse on stories like this? Because to me, going back to our earlier conversation, this indicates the trends in crime are not getting better. I don't believe they're getting better. I, I remember when I worked at the police department, we used to put out statistics and we would say to people, hey, you know, uh, crime is down. And then everybody would laugh maniacally and they would say, no, 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 here's the data. It, 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 as I always say when I, when I teach this to law enforcement, it doesn't matter what it is, it matters what it feels like. And... The Milwaukee Police Association came out very, very strongly for their members after this happened and said, not just let's not forget about this story. They said, let's deny these people bail. And, you know, so here's the follow up story that I'm kind of waiting for from, you know, from my friends in the local media. So they wanted no bail, the police association and anybody who cares about walking the streets in Milwaukee. Which, by the way, shooting at police officers, I think that sort of falls into the no bail category, don't you? One would think. One would think. But $250,000 bail was set for each one of them. However... They're not free to walk the streets because the Department of Corrections placed a hold on their release because they're both already on probation. There you go. So now I want, as a, as a citizen, I want the rest of the story. What are they on, on probation for? What, you know, what are they, what are they doing on the street? How did that happen? We tell those stories when we have giant, you know, when we have mass shooting incidents. We tell those stories when we have mass casualty incidents. But I think that we need to start asking that question every time we have somebody who is willing without a second thought to start shooting at the police because if they're going to shoot up out shoot it out with the police what do you think that means for you as somebody who's just walking the streets yeah same results often worse annie schwartz our guest after the break mitch ross joins a security consultant talking about real threats on places of worship and how that plays into a much larger story this that's taking place in the country of israel and gaza we'll be joined by mitch ross after this with annie schwartz wtmj yeah, thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, every, everybody. We are certainly enjoying our hour-long conversation with Andy Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. And I think I'm really going to enjoy this conversation because I love talking to Andy, to subject matter experts on things that are certainly relevant and timely given the, the events of the world and the country we live in. And this is a great example of that. Mitch Ross, security consultant, joins us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely, Mitch. It's good to talk to you again. You know, I can tell everybody who's listening, Steve, that Mitch was part of the executive protection unit at the Milwaukee Police Department. These are units that they don't really talk a lot about. Uh, whenever we would have high profile people, politicians, people coming here from, from anywhere the president visits, um, Mitch and his team were responsible for working together with the Secret Service on that security. But what I found out about Mitch when he was at the Milwaukee Police Department is that he also is, is concerned and, and really was talking about protecting houses of worship for years before it became the popular thing to talk about. So, Mitch, I guess I would, you know, I would, I would start by asking you, you know, do, do you think that, that our, does our law enforcement, and I don't mean city in Milwaukee, I just mean in general, you know, what could they be telling people about how they are protecting our houses of worship? Well, I think first, uh, first I want to compliment Jason Smith because he's the one that actually brought this to the table at the Fusion Center and brought me in at the time, and we're talking years ago to at least reach out to the interfaith communities as well as, uh, you know, the houses of worship, uh, the synagogues, and to go out and to create a conversation as well as to uh, share information. And that's where this all started. And I think uh, as it snowballed, as it got bigger and bigger, um, then I think the communities of these houses of worship, and really the public-private sector, it, it doesn't, uh, I know because of what happened four days ago, we're talking about the synagogues and things like that, but overall it's the communities in general uh, that really need this information. And if they would just reach out to local law enforcement, now not every law enforcement community will have an expert or will have somebody they to go out and actually speak or do the site assessments, but they all have ways to have a contact to reach out to get somebody to perform those services. Mitch, as somebody who was a former elected and who dealt with a tragedy in a place of worship, I, I can't tell you how important it is for not just the community in, in general to know these things, but for the, the faith communities to understand there are resources available that you should definitely take advantage of. Talk about that a little bit. So the resources really come from not only the local level, but, you know, the state and the federal level as well. And most, uh, I don't want to say all, but I'm going to say most of the resources are free. And I'll, I'll give you a prime example. And, Charlie, as you know, uh, uh, what happened at the Sikh Temple, uh, right after that, um, they needed uh, some extra help as far as site assessments. Do they have the proper lighting? Maybe they need ballards in front of their doors, things like that. And they reach out to the Fusion Center, and um, when um, they uh, reached out, we were able to uh, provide them with services to uh, supply these needs to them. And some of them were supplied for free. Mitch Ross joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. One of the other things that I, I was just thinking about while you were talking is there's also now a rise in protests related to what happened, the actions in, in Israel and, and subsequently in Gaza. That's also a drain on law enforcement because now they have to go respond to these things. Are they being, are these things being discussed in law enforcement circles as to, okay, so that's another reality based on something that happened thousands and thousands of miles away across the ocean? Well, so, you know, what's, what's interesting about all of these events is that when they take place, 
it's uh, I, I call it it's multi-jurisdictional because something happens, whether it's a state away or a community away or even another country. What happens is, is now there is a focus on what, what could possibly happen locally. And is there a threat? And, it's, you know, I could go back to like the late 60s, let's say, uh, when synagogues during the high holidays would have police officers assigned to them. And that's actually what's happening now. The request is huge. And I'm not sure there's the manpower for that. So then we have to go and reach out to maybe private security companies and things like that. But uh, that is what's taking place. And again, it's not just with the Jewish religion. I would say um, religion in general, there, there are always hate groups um, or people that are, just don't like what it is uh, that these, uh, the backings of these religions. And, and that causes this. Uh, for people to, uh, we need to have the officers to protect these facilities, uh, not just the, excuse me, not just the synagogues, but uh, other places of worship as well. You know, Mitch, I, I'm thinking a lot about uh, just a lot about the, the the work that we always used to do together, and it's not unusual for people to reach out to local law enforcement and say, "Hey, can can we talk about crime prevention for my house?" But I'm guessing that just about everybody who's who's listening, just about everybody, I'm not going to speak for the, you know, the world, but, but people are, are part of a faith-based community. What kind of questions do you think those people can go to the, uh, to the, 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 the leadership at their houses of worship and ask? What kinds of things, because not everybody maybe is, is thinking about this. What, kind, what can people do when they're part of a house of worship? What kind of questions can they ask their leadership? Well, I think, first of all, they need to get the information and gather the information. And they probably need to meet, um, get, get the leaders to meet and, and figure that out. And then the questions that the actual uh, parishioners or the community could ask is, um, what are some of the things that that facility is doing uh, in regards to, let's say, suspicious behavior? How are they reporting that? Uh, what kind of security systems are in place? Um, you know, uh, things like that. They could position themselves to um, at least figure out what is needed. Do we need better lighting and all of these different things? How are, what is our alarm system like? How do we protect our doors? How do we, what do we do when people come in that we're not familiar with? You know, the interesting thing about houses of worship, no matter what the religion is, um, is that, it's basically open doors, right? These are soft targets and they're open doors. We want people to come into our home, so to speak. And, and, but how do we address that? And I don't think that's talked about enough. How do, we t- how do we address people that are coming in that we're not familiar with? Important information. Mitch Ross, security consultant, joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. We'll take a break, Mitch. Think about this during the break. I want you to take your security consultant hat, hat off and just talk about what happened on the ground in Israel Saturday from the perspective of a member of the Jewish community. We'll talk to Mitch about that question after this on WTMJ. Steve Smitty with you, Annie Schwartz, regular Wednesday feature. We call it the Law Enforcement Hour, but it's really more than that. Public safety, sometimes some of the big news of the day, locally, nationally, internationally. Mitch, I asked you before the break, as a member of the Jewish community, just, just wanted to get a sense of your thoughts about the events of Saturday. Okay, well, so uh, I guess these are uh, maybe personal thoughts, but uh, Steve, Annie, 
I, I think that if we look locally, I think the, the concern, just to address it real quick, locally for religious groups, not just the Jewish religion, but religious groups, I think our concern now and our focus needs to be watched, especially over the next month, maybe, whatever, few days, few weeks, is, is spillover. What will, what will this bring to us locally? And that's, that's where some of the awareness has to come in. Now, if we're thinking globally, if we look at Israel and the systems they have in place and um, what they're really good at, the Israelis are really good at, especially when it comes to hostages and things like that, I will say this. What happened on Saturday is just proof in the pudding that every system is vulnerable, every system, no matter what we have in place. And it's, that's why it's so important for the people that are in place to be very good at what they do and to stay away. Uh, stay aware. Um, I will also say that the difference, I think, between the act of what happened on uh, this past Saturday uh, or any when it comes to terrorism act, especially on that scale, is that this is it's non-conventional war. It's not conventional war. There, you know, there there's no rules to this, and that's what makes this extremely, extremely dangerous. Um, you know, and I also would like to say that, you know, it's up to these democratic societies um, that we all need to get together and figure out and stay aware and address these systems that are in place and to keep testing them and to make sure that the people and the right people are in place for them. You know, when we look at the groups, we're talking about Hamas and uh, ISIS, but we can't rule out Hezbollah as well because um, these are specific hate groups, and they really need to be focused and addressed. And, and to use a stronger language, they need to be expired. Mitch Ross joining a security consultant and a member of the Jewish community. So I, I guess we only got a couple of minutes, Mitch, but I, I, my, my sense is that this story that you are, are telling us about the security and the need of, of hyper-awareness on behalf of faith communities is something that it's, it shouldn't just be a on occasion basis. It should be all the time. There should always be that concern because I think it just makes you safer in general, not, not just from, you know, terrorist threats, but threats against your building, threats against your people and, and all the security issues that, that are wrapped around in that. Uh, so uh, the, the, the good news is that there are people like you, and I think law enforcement's paying attention, that are actually saying, you know what, there are things we can do proactively to maybe push back against some of this stuff. That's the value to me. Correct. Steve, the, the simplest thing we could do, and I, I'll, I'll throw out a number here. It, uh, the number is about 50%, maybe 52% of Americans still to this day know about see something, say something. It's a simple poster. It's a simple phone number. It's a place to call. And it's through Homeland Security, and it's through your local law enforcement. And, and the people that answer these phones, uh, you can even put it on your, on your cell phone. You could put an app on your cell phone and report. It's, it's really about that. It's, uh, you know, it's a, those are the simple steps that put us in the right direction. And, and when we say it's 50 or 52% of Americans, some people will say, well, that's a big number. I'm here to tell you that that's, that's a very small number. And, and that's where this starts. We need to be able to have places to go to report, and we need the people in place to investigate. And that's really a way of staying ahead of the game. And when we talk about the public-private sector and houses of worship, I think 
we need to stay focused on that. And it does need to be a conversation that's talked about, whether it's weekly or monthly, and not just when something terrible happens across the globe. You know, Mitch, one of the things that I'm thinking about is we have been saying, see something, say something since 9-11. But I don't know that we really do a good job of telling people what the something is. What are the things, you know, and, and that to me is the is the something. I like what you said before when you talked about houses of worship and we said, you know, who is someone that's, you know, that, that, that you don't recognize that's, that's coming to, you know, to services? How do we make that approach? Are there other somethings that we should be should we, we we should be thinking about when we're doing this kind of vigilance in our own faith community? Yeah. So, Annie, uh, um, again, uh, the simple forms of the something uh, they call it. There, there's two schools of thought, and they're both good. They call it either like the seven signs or the eight signs of terrorism. And and to be honest, you could just Google that, and and you'll get them. But we talk about what do we look for when people are doing, like, surveillance or information gathering or testing. You know, they may test uh, our facilities or our houses of worship or what is some suspicious behavior. Now, these signs, these seven or eight signs, may be different for each one of us. What you think is, is strange may not be so strange to me. And what's very interesting about all of these signs you know, the simple thing of somebody coming and maybe taking photographs of my facilities, let's say. But the simple thing is, is when does it cross the line where it's either illegal or something bad is going to happen? Because many of these signs are legal processes of what we can do. And so that's what makes it extremely hard. But if you know at least the signs to look for, and then you figure out, well, did they cross the line? Did the people or the person cross the line at what they were doing? That's the time that we need to report it. And I would just add, let law enforcement, public safety, let them make the call. If it's, if it's something real, they will investigate it. If it's not, they'll tell you, we, we checked it out, everything's fine. Let them make that, right. that ultimate decision because you, you, you probably, average Joe, average Jane, don't have the expertise to understand what might be serious and what, what might not be. Correct, Steve. And this is what I used to always tell people when I would do, you know, go out and speak in regards to this. Uh, whether it's an active shooter uh, or, or suspicious people or suspicious uh, uh, products uh, that you come across, um, let law enforcement decide. Make the call, even if it turns out to be a big nothing. In many cases, and maybe law enforcement might not like this, but in many cases, It'll be good practice for whatever the situation is. I love that um, point, Mitch. Love that. You know, uh, because we're not, we don't know. We don't know what the product is. We don't know what suspicious is. But if it didn't seem right to you, it's a, it's a phone call or it's using an app on a phone. And, and that's the simple fact. Mitch Ross, security consultant, a pleasure to talk to you. Let's, uh, let's do it again down the line. And thank you, Mitch. Anytime. Thank you for your Thanks service to you. the city Thanks of Milwaukee. Annie. All right, we'll take a break Thank here for you. news. Annie Schwartz, we'll see you next Wednesday. Take we'll care. see you next Wednesday. Big shout out, Steve, to the, our Fusion Center. I know we got like six seconds left for me to say it, but I've got to say they do they do yeoman's work in in stopping threats that we never hear about. Great point and well said, Annie Schwartz. Correct.